course, let's all be in prayer for Mark and Dorothy as they have uh, headed out, and he's having some tests tomorrow, and uh, with hopes that they'll come home with some answers. Um, I know you guys, like me, have been praying for them a lot. Mark is just such a uh, wonderful brother in the Lord, and to see him struggle like that, it you know, it's just a reminder of what we take for granted. We take for granted we're going to get up in the morning and everything will be like it always is. But there's never a guarantee. We're always just this close from eternity. We just don't think like that. I always like to say the bubble could pop at any moment. So, um, not that I'm wanting my bubble to pop, but uh, it could happen. All right, we are in 1 Samuel. It would help if I turn my Bible right side up. 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. So we are going to uh, look at the Philistines capturing the ark. And actually, I've entitled this message, When God Gets Lost in Church. And uh, go ahead and stand in God's honors. We do. It's just a way to worship Him as we read the Word. Samuel's word came to all Israel. Now the Israelites went out to fight against the Philistines. The Israelites camped at Ebenezer and the Philistines at Aphek. The Philistines deplored their forces to meet Israel. And as the battle spread, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 of them on the battlefield. When the soldiers returned to camp, the elders of Israel asked, Why did the Lord bring defeat upon us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the Lord's covenant from Shiloh so that it may go with us and save us from the hand of our enemies. So the people sent men to Shiloh and they brought back the ark of the covenant of the Lord Almighty who is enthroned between the cherubim. And Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were there in the ark of the covenant of God. When the ark of the Lord's covenant came into the camp, all Israel raised such a great shout that the ground shook. Hearing the uproar, the Philistines asked, What's all this shouting in the Hebrew camp? When they learned the ark of the Lord had come into the camp, the Philistines were afraid. A god has come into the camp, they said. We're in trouble. Nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? They are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the desert. Be strong, Philistines. Be men, or you will be subject to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight. So the Philistines fought, and the Israelites were defeated, and every man fled to his tent. The slaughter was very great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. The ark of God was captured, and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you, God, that you call us to a relationship with you. Um, You call us not to be distant. Um, You want to come close, Lord. That's what the cross is about. That's what Christianity really means is that the God who is far from us has come close, has come near. And through grace, through the work of Calvary, We are your family, Lord. We are your children. For your word says that 
The one who is born of God is child of God, victorious over this world. That through faith in the Christ, the living God. Uh, Tonight, Lord, uh, just help us as we take a little time and as we look at this account. Father, as we talk about the issue of when God's not in church, when we begin to step out and follow our own rituals and Father, uh, follow our own beliefs, but you're not there. Protect us from that, God. Guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, I read a story about a family that went to uh, eat with some friends and had the most delicious pot roast they had ever tasted. They were so impressed that they decided to ask for the recipe. They said, okay, um, tell us how you make the pot roast. Well, talked about getting the roast. Then you would immediately take the roast, cut off this end, cut off that end, and gave a list of spices that you were supposed to put up on the pot roast to prepare it, and then to put it in the oven and to cook the pot roast. So a friend said, okay, I get the recipe, but I don't really understand. Why, why are you cutting off the ends of the pot roast? She said, well, this is a family recipe, and I really don't know. It's what my mom said to do. So anyway, this really worried her. So she went to her mom, and she said, Mom, uh, we had some friends come over, and they loved family pot roast. Asked for the recipe. So I gave them the recipe, and they asked, why don't we cut off both ends of the pot roast? And she said, well, I don't know. She said, "Uh, your grandmother, that's how she taught me to do it. So they said, well, we got to figure this out. So they went to the nursing home and went to the grandmother and said, you know, told this tale, repeated it again. Why do we cut off the ends of the pot roast? And uh, she said, well, because most pot roast wouldn't fit in my pot. I had to cut off the ends of the pot roast. Why do we do what we do? Sometimes we do something and we've done it so long a certain way that it becomes sacred. Like that's the only way it can be done. But what we need to do is stop and ask, why do I do this? God says to test yourselves, to see if you're in the faith. Sometimes we need to do that spiritual inventory and checkup in the things that we love here. Not that there's anything wrong with the ritual. Every church has a ritual. But I think that there's always value. Every once in a while we need to stop and say, why, why do we do this again? Why is it that it's done a certain specific way? Um, I remember a couple of times that we had great crowds at churches I'd served, but I left not feeling good about the service. One particular time, it was a Baptist day where, you know, you remember the great glorious days of old in the church and uh, had a lot of laughter and People were talking a lot about so-and-so and this person and that person. But nobody talked about Jesus. And it went home and it really bothered me. I'm not saying there's not wonderful people. But is that what we want Kingsway Baptist Church to be remembered for? There was another time I had this great idea. Sometimes they're not great. You know, you think they're great ideas. 
And there was this lady in the community, and I mean, she's a fantastic lady. She um, literally raised 19 children. Not all of them were her own, but just from a broken family, she ended up raising all these kids. So you can imagine, man, she was loved. And there were all these people in the community. You know how it is. You try to get everybody to church, and you think, how, you know, what can we do, God? Well, I said, you know, we'll have a day on a Mother's Day, and everybody can come in, and, and um, we'll just remember this lady. It'll be a time to pay tribute to this lady. Well, everybody in the community loved her, so well, that church was packed. And once again, there were many, many stories, and there was a lot of laughter. And uh, I love this dear lady, but even I think she was probably a little um, unhappy with the fact she got so much attention in our church service, and I don't really remember anybody saying anything about Jesus. Why do we do what we do? Does Jesus ever get left out in what we do? I struggle with that just in my own life day to day. How many times I go through my little schedule. Is Jesus welcome? Is he a part of my schedule? Is what I'm really counting on, is what I'm really trusting in, is it the Lord? Well, as we look at this section of Scripture, it was very difficult for God's people. They were in battle with one of their great enemies, the Philistines. And um, just in the text that I read, we see there was this battle. 4,000 people died in battle. And so what did they do? They got together and said, we are going to win this next battle. Our ace in the hole. Our sure way fire to win. Uh, fire way to win. And so how is that accomplished? Well, as we look at our scripture, um, verse 3, they, they came back. They said, when the soldiers return to camp, the elders of Israel, these are the people that have it together, the, the older wise folk of the place. Why did the Lord bring defeat upon us today before the Philistines? I said, why, why, why is there this defeat, Lord? So what they say, let us bring the ark of the Lord's covenant from Shiloh so that it may go with us and save us from the hand of our enemies. Some translations, instead of it, it says he, but really the better translation is it. You see what they said? They said, we lost in battle. We're not going to lose in battle. So we're going to get that ark of the covenant of the Lord because if the ark of the covenant of the Lord is with us, there is no way we can be defeated. It is guaranteed victory. But notice they didn't say, we will trust in the Lord for our victory. It will be the ark of the covenant of the Lord that will bring us victory. In other words, the ark of the covenant of the Lord was treated like a good luck charm. Like it was some kind of magical formula. And I think that's one thing over the past couple of years God's really dealt with me with. We're notorious in Western Christianity. We have a formula to fix everything. If you want to be a good parent, do these seven things. If you want to be a good husband, you have to do these six things. And on and on and on. And you know what God said? <laughs> he said that we are called to live by faith, not by sight. 
Yes, there are boundaries. Yes, there's truth in God's word. But life doesn't play by the rules. Sometimes I do one, two, three, and four's not there. What do I do now? You have to trust in God. You see, it's about a relationship. It's not about trusting in a specific church building or a specific ritual that you do in church. It's it's not that you read your Bible every day at 5.15 in the morning that God's going to fix every problem that comes your way. It's not like a magic potion that God uses. They took this Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. It's spoken of in Exodus 25 and 37. It was an ark made of a kea wood. It was covered with gold. And, and of course, in it, there were three things. Uh, there were the Ten Commandments etched on two tablets. Of course, you know, they're etched by the very hand of God, finger of God. There was a manna, a collection of manna. You know, God took care of his people in the wilderness and gave manna to eat every day. And there was Aaron's rod that was so powerfully used. And they were stored within this chest this Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and the lid of the chest is called the Mercy Seat. And there were two cherubs, two angels with outspread wings upon the lid of the chest. And it was significant. It was a reminder of God's presence. It was a symbol that God was there. I thought if we have this chest, God's with us. God will go with us. God will give us victory. But they were putting their trust within the chest. You know, I don't think it's an accident as I think about this. You know, if you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, I've probably seen it half a dozen times, you know, the Harrison Ford movie and all that. And they were looking for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Why? Because uh, nobody knows where it is. At some point, this precious Ark of the Covenant, and it's interesting, something that, Man, this is the presence of God dwells here. How could you lose it? You think that's something you'd hold on to tightly. You wouldn't want to let go of. But I wonder if God allowed that to happen so that people wouldn't put their trust in the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, but so that they would put their trust specifically in the Lord. It'd be like us putting a cross on our front door and saying, you know, Devil can't come in here. There's a cross on my door. It's not a magic charm. If you want to fight the devil, it says in James 4, verse 7, submit yourselves then to the Lord. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. First thing you got to do is bow your heart to God. First thing you got to do is say, God, I'm too weak for this. So I'm submitting myself before you to fight this battle. Um, you know, sometimes we have a tendency to, you know, take Scripture and, and take our ritual and, and you know, just treat it like it, like I said, it's just some kind of magic charm. And in Acts nineteen thirteen through 16, I'll turn there and read a case where uh, we see some of this occurring. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. <laughs> Notice they don't say, in the name of my Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus, whom 
Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. You see, they were talking about God from a distance. But our relationship with God is never meant to be from a distance. He loves us. He wants us each day to trust Him. He wants us to... It says pray continually, to pray without ceasing. That's First Thessalonians 5.17. In other words, it's just a lifestyle. It's like breathing. We need to be ready to talk to God and to say, God, I need your help. God, direct me this way. God, give me the right words to say. God, um, what do I need to do in this situation? God, empower me. God, forgive me. Man, we, we're so weak, we constantly need His help. Uh, another example... Um, in Acts nineteen eleven through 12. It says God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick. And their illnesses were cured. And the evil spirits left them. You know, it was a picture of... Man, I just want that stuff that Paul touched. You know, man, could you imagine with eBay... You get some money off that stuff. Well, we got a genuine handkerchief that the Apostle Paul touched. You know, make a bid and we'll send it to you. But it wasn't that Paul touched it. It was that God had touched Paul. And, and it was God touching Paul that did that work. And it's still today. For, for somebody to be anointed, well, it's just a matter of getting before God. And And... Him empowering you. It's something God does in us and God does through us. Uh, God's done miracles. He parted the Red Sea, um, you know, in a powerful fashion. You know, what a great, in that, you know, the, the movie with Charles, Charlton Heston, and, you know, the seas parted, and just a great picture of God working there. I think of Elijah, one of my favorite Old Testament characters, fed by ravens. As God would work through a widow with some flour that never seemed to run out. So there are definitely instances in the scripture where God works that way. In ways that we don't understand. But I don't think he's trying to tell us that we need to make that a formula. He wants us to live. I mean John 9 there's this description of him healing the blind man. It says that he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? Neither this man or his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Uh, so many miracles. Jesus fed the 4,000. Jesus fed the 5,000. Um, there's the parable of the persistent widow where it, it says that she kept showing up to plea Grant me justice from my adversary to a judge. And she literally wore out that judge. 
and uh, got what she longed and what she desired for. The, the point of the matter is there's no set way, there's no particular former formula that God works through. He works through people. It works through us, and we're all different, but we all have Jesus. Second mistake that's made, not just that we think God only works in one way, but that we expect God's blessings without repentance, without turning to him. Um, Back to 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. So the people sent men to Shiloh, and they brought back the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord Almighty, who was enthroned between the cherubim, and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. Um, these two sons, as we read in another place, were not nice guys. They were the epitome of the bad preachers that the media loves to take and run all over the with you know I mean they were actually man it's just crazy they were selling uh, the meat that was supposed to be used for sacrifices to make money padding their pockets they were having sexual encounters with women there at the temple I mean it was a disgrace all that they were doing in God's holy place and being in God's holy position and they were not honoring God The relationship wasn't there. It was just about making the buck, about making the money. And there was no repentance. And repentance doesn't come just because you're loud. You're not more spiritual if you can scream and cry louder. The more tears doesn't mean the more forgiveness. That's not how it works. Psalm 51, 16 and 17. You do not delight in sacrifice or I'd bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God. You will not despise. And this was a chance, as we read in this text, over 30,000 people died. It was a time to be broken. It was time to repent. It was time to turn God's way because it didn't work their way. Leaving God out of church did not help the church. 30,000 men died of 410. The ark was taken by the Philistines. And those two sons of Eli died in 411. Uh, We read in another place that their dad Eli was so upset um, that he ended up falling backwards, breaking his neck and dying. And then we read uh, in 421 that there was a death to... um, As uh, the daughter-in-law, the wife of Phineas, she was ready to deliver a baby. And then she ended up dying in childbirth. And verse 21, she named the boy Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel because the capture of the ark of God and the death of her father-in-law and her husband. Repentance is needed, and they were at a place, and they didn't even realize it. She named that baby Ichabod, which means the glory of God has departed. You know, I I think about that in our land. I, I get caught up sometimes in the politics, you know, this time of year that's everywhere. But politi- politicians aren't going to save us. 
winning God. And I was telling somebody this morning, we there have been several great awakenings in our land. And we need a third. And I know we know this, but I look at it and I'll be honest with you guys. I need to be upbeat and everything, but sometimes I'm just saying, man, we're going down. Of course, you know what? I also think of Mark 10, 27 that says, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So maybe we're just in a position that's good if God steps in. But that comes with repentance. That comes when we're willing to be honest before God. And quit this blaming everybody else. Quit this looking for somebody else to, to pin the, the blame on and, and saying, God, I messed up. God, I, I need to start fresh. I need to start anew. They missed God because they weren't willing to go God's direction. You can't talk about God and go the wrong direction. This idea of faith that has no love of God, what is that? You know, if you don't love worshiping God here, how are you going to love eternity? What do you think we're going to do up there? Well, once I'm here a couple thousand years, then I think I'll sing a hymn or two. No way! It says that heaven itself will be lighted by the glory of the Lamb. The very radiance of Christ is going to provide the lighting there. The most valuable thing here we can think of, gold, that's asphalt up there. And there's that picture of the Lamb. It will be, and we'll be surrounding the Lamb. And, you know, Cindy and I, sometimes we talk about, because it's hard to, you know, think about, we love each other, and it's hard to think. I mean, how do we think about not being married? You know, but however it works, I don't have the, all that answers how all that works. But I can tell you this: it's good. Our relationships will be like they're supposed to be. You know, it talks about Hebrews that everything here is kind of like a shadow. You kind of see what's going to come, but you can't really see. And we'll see. We'll see clearly. I love that. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Depending on the translation. NIV it says, Now we see but a poor reflection. Then we shall see face to face. It says, Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully. Even as I am fully known. That's what awaits us. But it only comes um, with repentance. You know, it's not about anything here at Kingsway Baptist Church that is particularly going to get us to heaven. Um, the only thing here that gets us to heaven is Jesus. We want him here. <laughs> it's, it's, we want him here. But as far as, you know, the the music that we choose, you know, the ritual of how we stand or when we sit or or the preacher, what translation of the Bible he uses. Look, it's Jesus that will uh, ultimately get us there. And they made a mistake of trying to make something holy besides God. And uh, may we not do that. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for your word.
as we look at this instance, Father, um, they were so desperate. But, Father, they left you out. And um, help us, Father. Because sometimes we're weak and sometimes we're misguided. But may we not miss you in it all, Lord. Point us to you. Father, by your word, help us see Christ. And um, help us, Father, not miss what matters, Lord. Help us ask the question, why are we cutting off those ends of the pot roast? And may we ask the question, Father, is there something different you want us to do that will bring you more glory? Give us courage, Father, however that is to be. and Father, to trust you because ultimately it's about a relationship with you and Relationships, Lord, well, they move around. They go up, they go down, and sometimes we think we got it figured out, and most of the time we have no clue, but it's a, just a joy to be in a relationship. And Fortunately, Father, we have a God who has got it under control, even though we don't, and um, that's a good relationship, Lord. One, one at Calvary. Father, I pray tonight as we sing to you, What do you want from us, Lord? Where do we need to surrender to you? What may we need to change, Lord, in our lives? What are you calling us to, Lord? As long as you're in it, we need to do it. So I just pray that way, Lord. As we stand, as we sing, may we follow you. In Christ's name we pray.